Hello and welcome to episode 46 of North Point Plus. 46. We're climbing. Man, oh We're man. almost almost to a, a full year. Almost at a year. That's crazy. Coming up on it. Uh, this is our follow-up podcast for messages on Sunday mornings. Uh, this podcast allows us to dive a little deeper, to keep the conversation going, to to not just continue with the one-way dialogue of we just speak things at people and they just listen and then we go on our merry way. Uh, this is a way to kind of keep the dialogue going, which is really fun. Um, and we're coming out of a, a really fun experience yesterday with uh, lunch on the lawn. Woohoo! <laughs> the lunch on great. the quote-unquote lawn that we had. Lunch um, on the laid carpet. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so that was a ton of fun. So I just wanted to say thanks for everyone for sticking yeah. around, uh, for, for going with the flow. We had to adjust because of the rain, because of the weather. And I think it ended up being better um, just because we were we were in the church the whole time, in and around each other, um, having conversations, meeting people. It was a ton of fun. I had a ton of fun. And the pizza and Kona ice, top notch. Good stuff. I give it a, an A-plus rating. So thanks for sticking around for that. That was a ton of fun. Uh, but we got business to get down to, Rick. Yes. <laughs> we're, uh, we're continuing in our Colossians series, and you're picking up. You haven't, you haven't been on the Colossians series in a while. <laughs> it's, yes, it's the very beginning of chapter one. Yeah, so how did it feel to dive back into Paul's letter? Felt good to preach. Had an interesting text to deal with. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, it was good. Good to, good to have a chance to speak to Ken. Good, good. So we we talked um, yesterday on Sunday. We went through the beginning of Colossians chapter three, right, um, and covered a lot of different topics. Paul lays out kind of these two really long lists of things that he's talking about the church. Um, so rather than me dive into it, what's kind of your thirty second summary? What's the big takeaway from from Paul's message in the beginning of Colossians three? As it's it's funny because when you prep the message, you think, okay, what is it, what is it that I want to communicate? And then when it's all done, you think, okay, what did I communicate? <laughs> uh, how, did, how did the Holy Spirit hopefully lead in that process? Yep. The big things that I would say are um, early early in chapter 3, and again, the beginning of chapter 3 turns the corner from, from the preeminence of Christ, really everything yep. focused on Jesus, to, okay, what's that mean for us in our lives? Yep. And he says, set your minds on things above, set your hearts on things above. So there's this foundational sense in everything that comes in chapter 3 to say, because you've given your life to Jesus, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And and your heart, your mind needs to be focused on Jesus. Yep. And as a result of that, there's some stuff that has to die. Yep. And so um, the list that's in verse 5, the list that's in verse 8, those are things that Paul says you've got to get rid of that stuff yep. out of your life. And so um, it, it was heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, we don't like... Uh, we don't like it when um, people say, oh, that stuff you're doing, it needs to change. Right. Um, right. And yet we need that. We need it desperately. We need to be yeah. to allow God's word to shed light in dark places in our yep. lives. And we're always better for it. Yep. So uh, good stuff. The um, I, so some things have to die. That was that's really kind of the main thing that was there yeah. when I was reflecting afterwards. Um, two other thoughts. One is that it's critical to know that we have a choice. We have a mm. choice between whether we give in to temptation or not. Right. And that uh, hopefully that came through in the message as well, that it's not we're not held hostage by Satan yep. um, in, in the sense of um, as we go through life, we have options in terms of, of what we do or don't do. Yeah, I like the, the phrase that stuck with me was, your past doesn't have to be your destiny. Yeah. Which is, these choices may have defined you at some point. But right. that's why Paul turns this corner, and now that you're in Christ, these are not defining elements of your life anymore. Yeah, and, and um, 
that we hadn't we hadn't planned to go go this, this place right now, but uh, I just want to say the um, if if you like history, yeah, do some research on everything that they found in Mount Vesuvius about the culture, yeah, because it's far worse than anything that we experience in the U.S. right now, yeah, but it's kind of on the path that. It's farther down the path of the path that we're going. Right. Yeah. And and when you look at that and say, oh, that was a part of the Roman culture. That was the way that they lived. Right. Um, just um, sexual uh, focus on every aspect of their life. Yeah. And um, and uh, that w- was the way it was. And I love it that Paul says that's the way some of you were, yeah. but not anymore. Yep. You. You. Um, Christ has changed you. Yeah, and I think the the other piece that you kind of touched on a little bit. So there's there's definitely, and we'll we'll touch more on this in the questions that come up. There's this kind of almost sexual obsession in their culture. Yes, and then you touched on a little bit this kind of uh, prejudice within the church that existed. That you know, and Paul goes through and talks yeah. about Jew and Greek, barbarian and Scythian, and and uncircumcised and circumcised, and really hits home. Um, and again, we've talked about this in previous letters that you can kind of get a hint of what the church was struggling with by right. what the apostles address. So there was certainly something going on in the sexual culture of yeah. uh, Colossae and the church, and there's something going on with the prejudice within the church that Paul calls out very specifically. Um, and you talked about that book that w- that we had read that just yeah kicked my butt, and so I had to have you read it because I wanted it to kick your butt too. <laughs> Um, really, really good book. It's, it's, um, published by Zondervan. I didn't say that on Sunday morning. Um, so it's not, uh, it's not the kind of thing that you'll just find it anywhere. You have to go looking yep. for it, but it's really, really good. And, and uh, written by a black pastor. Yep. Um, and, and it's just very, very challenging in terms of how do you have conversations recognizing that we all come from different places. So, yeah. so for me, uh, a guy that was raised in the 60s in a small suburb suburb of Dayton, Ohio, yeah. that was all white. Um, you know, less we had less than one half of one yeah. percent of anything other than white in my high school, and my high school was big high school, 2,400 people. Um, the, uh, the I there's stuff that shaped the way that I think, yep. and certainly lots of things that shaped the way. Um, uh, maybe somebody who comes from a Hispanic culture in the U.S., uh, first or second generation, that shapes their view of, of race relations and other people, um, blacks as well, uh, you know, whether that's a, a urban black or a suburban black or, um, you know, mixed race family or not, all of us come from a different place. And um, being able to have conversations is, is really, really important, but sometimes really hard. Yeah, and that's really, for those that are curious about the book, the book is not presenting a solution. <laughs> not at all. The book yeah. is just presenting the concept of jumping into conversations that our, our default in the church tends to be, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Right. <laughs> or we present the solution, and if you don't agree with my solution, then we don't talk about it, and I cut you out of my life. And his whole thesis of, of how he kind of walks through this kind of fictional but mostly real story right is the whole point of this is that the church should be engaged in conversations. And that helps us avoid the prejudice that Paul talks about. Because if I'm engaged in life with you, it's really hard to be prejudiced against right. you. And and to assume that my way is better. Right. If, if, right. I, if I'm hearing what you've experienced. And, and I would say for me, um, in the last 10 years, the... Uh, 
I haven't preached on it a lot. Yeah. Um, but when I have, and it's been difficult for people, the, my challenge has always been um, have dinner with somebody who doesn't look like you, who comes from a different background than you, and yeah. just hear their story. Right. Because when, when we listen, when we just listen, all of a sudden our understanding of who that person is, how they um, interact with culture, how they interact with me, um, and who God is. Right. God's um, the glory of God mm. um, instilled in people who are so different from me yeah. is just a really cool thing. Yeah, and that's, again, like that, that's the, the hope that comes from the book is that all of this is grounded in God's vision for the church. Yeah. Um, it's not grounded in politics. It's not grounded in culture. Right. It's grounded in this God's vision for the church is that there would be no partiality. There would be no prejudice. Right. Uh, and you, we get closer to that by being united in Christ and by engaging in life with one another. And that's that's what we're called to do. Yeah. Um, one, one last thing that uh, to me was a theme in the message yesterday yeah. was this concept of already and not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That, and uh, it's funny because after the service, uh, I was talking to Deb and she said, was is that yours? Did that come from you? I said, no, it came from, came from a, a guy named N.T. Wright yeah. that's a scholar. That in, he, he used that phrase, but he only used it up early in, I think, in a verse uh, 3, 4, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that concept, I felt like, oh, it's just woven through those 11 verses so yep. clearly that, that God is doing something in us right now. He's already done something yep. in us, and yet it's not what it's going to be in the future. And um, and so we already experience God, um, God's grace. Yeah. But man, in the future, we're going to understand God's grace in an even greater yep. way. We're already being sanctified, but we're going to be sanctified more in the future. Yeah. That's it's interesting that like as I went back and started reading Colossians, and I, I don't know if I ever told you this, that I actually that's one of the things that I cut from one of my earlier messages. Oh, really? Was that concept of already and not yet? Because Paul, it seems like, tries to weave that throughout his letter of Christ has done this work and yeah. is doing this work and will do this work, and you get this part right now, and you're promised this part later. And so you have this clear picture of the already and the not yet, and it just didn't end up fitting with where the message ended up going. So yeah, I'm glad that, it, I'm glad that, it fit here. I think that here. was from the, from the message that you redid. Yes. I, and I probably <laughs> yes. had read it from you before I read <laughs> probably. it from N.T. Wright. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. Great. Yeah. So, yeah. So thank, that's a, thank Mark for that. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to uh, dive into some questions. Um, and just a little bit of a... A small content warning for people: if you li- if you normally listen to North Point Plus with your kids, maybe listen to this <laughs> first without your kids, and then determine if it's something you want to loop the whole family into. Just because it's some of the questions that we're dealing with. Um, obviously, we're dealing with everything b- biblically, so we're not going off the tracks yeah. in terms of that. But if you haven't had that conversation with your kids yet, maybe use some. But if your kids eighteen or nineteen, yeah, let them listen. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> maybe even younger. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, So first question came from Dan. Uh, Could you expound a little more on the idea of us making choices to flee from sin? Is sanctification something that I do or that God does or both? Really love the message, especially how you paused and and defined each of these words in the list that Paul Paul lists out contextually. Um, Yeah. So in terms of sanctification, what is sanctification? What are we talking about? And do I do that or does God do that? Yes. Um, sanctification, fancy word, if you think about the word sanctify, it's, it's just this concept of being made holy. Mm. And we are made holy by God because of Jesus. Jesus takes our sin on himself, and we are sanctified. We're saved right. um, through what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. 
So it's already done. <laughs> I was just going to say. And not yet. And not yet. <laughs> um, because th- we're also being sanctified yeah. until the point in time that, that, we, um, that we leave this earth. Yep. And so there is this constant process of being made holy in terms of the choices, the, um, our ability to hear from God, to recognize yeah. the voice of the Holy Spirit. So it, it is something that is already done, but it's something that, is, that continues to be done yeah. as well. Yeah, and I think it's important to, if, if we're looking at Colossians as a whole, we talked about, you know, in the first two-ish chapters, Paul kind of sets up Jesus, who he is, what he's done. And as a result of that, then you get to Colossians 3, where now you can put off sin. So right. as a result of the work that Jesus has done in your life and is doing in your life, now you actually have the opportunity to take off sin, to flee from right. sin. Because before Jesus, as much as I might want to leave sin, it's just ingrained in who I am. Like I can never really separate myself from sin yep. unless I'm in Christ. And so Paul takes really good care to emphasize who Christ is and what he's done and that you have been circumcised from right. sin. It's separated. And now as a result, put off these things and put on Christ. Right. Is that an accurate way of, of, yeah, kind yeah, of looking I, at sanctification? Yeah, I think that's, that's good. It's, it's funny because I go, I, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking back, I think this was in my first message from the Colossians series, the, the whole concept of sheep don't wallow. Yeah, yep. Um, that, that, that because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to continue to live in the muck and, and the mire. Yeah. And that's a choice that we make. That's, um, that, there's that choice concept. So, so um, this is so foundational to both the message and I think to our mindset in terms of how we deal with, with the questions that will come about s- sexual stuff. The temptation's not the issue. Mm. Uh, we're we're going to live with temptation. Yep. The question is what we do with that temptation, whether we feed it, yeah. wh- whether we run from it, whether we ignore it, whether we replace it with something else. Yep. Um, the temptation for whatever, you know, as a married guy, the temptation to have an affair, yeah. that's, that's not sin until I start to act on it, until, right. until I start to cultivate that and feed right. into it. Um, and and that's, where, that's where Satan enters in. Yeah, and I, I wanted to circle back to a concept that you talked about in the message was this, this concept of cutting off the source, cutting off yeah. supply lines. And I think that's so important, especially, you know, I'm coming from the context of I'm a man, I've grown up as a man, um, and so I'm so aware and familiar with my supply lines for sin. Right. Um, and, and when you, again, when we're looking in the context of Colossians, when I've been made new in Christ, I've been baptized with Christ, the old is dead, the new is raised up, and I look at the sin in my life, I want to cut off that sin by my choice to flee from sin. And one of the ways that we can do that is by cutting off supply lines. So recognizing the patterns in my own life, recognizing routines and habits and finding, okay, it seems like every time I'm in this situation, mm-hmm. this sin comes up. Yeah. So maybe I just stop putting myself in that situation. Right. Maybe I stop hanging out with those friends, stop doing this on my phone, stop bringing my phone here, like do, whatever it might be, you know your life. And you know the habits and routines that you formed, and you know the supply lines, and maybe you're not cutting it off because you like it. Right. Yeah. And, and that really is the core issue. It. Um, I had a conversation this morning with with somebody about the message, yeah. and and said the real question is, what do you want? Do you mm. want to do what you want to do, mm. or do you want to do what 
God wants yeah. you to do, what God says is best for you. Do you trust God that what he says is best or not? Yeah. And and for us in our culture, there is this sense of, wait a second, if I do what God wants, I'm going to be an anomaly. I'm going to be, <laughs> right. I, I, I'm not going to fit any place. Yep. And there probably is a really healthy thing to say, uh, yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's so, so when Peter says we're strangers and aliens here on earth, yeah. Uh, that's what, that's exactly what he was talking about, that we don't fit in our culture. Yeah. Um, the, the cut off the supply lines, it's funny because I, I just kept thinking about uh, this, uh, this, this sounds so innocuous, but, and yet it's so harsh, it, you know, yeah. the tension of that. We choose what we watch on Netflix or Prime. Yep. We choose what websites we go to. Right. We choose... Um, what music we listen to. We yep. choose what books we read. No one sits us down and forces us right. to do any of those things. Those are all choices that we make, and they either feed good things or bad things Yeah, in our nature. Yep, yeah, and I think to bring that all around cuz this will this will apply in the later questions that that concept of man I'm going to be I'm going to be the weirdo in my culture if I'm not if, you know if I'm like I I know men that don't have smartphones right because it's a supply line they don't want that and people can look at them and be like, well, who doesn't have smartphones in 2022 but for them they desire so deeply to be in close relationship with god right that to not have a smartphone whatever worth it yeah the, the enemy loses a tool right um when that gets taken away yeah yeah so that's yeah. important uh next question and this uh, oh, one last one last yeah, thing on absolutely that. um d- just uh just talking about temptation in general I, yeah I, I had made this note and it didn't make it into the into the message um the the when we're when we're tempted we choose to respond to it either by giving in cultivating it, you know, feeding that temptation, or we choose to run away from it. You know, uh, Joseph fled from, from mm-hmm. Potiphar's wife, or, or we can choose to, in a sense, not really ignore it, but to displace it with something else. Sure. And um, one of the things I read that I thought, oh, this is such a great illustration, but it didn't make it into the message, was if you want to take air out of a bottle, so if you if you want to remove that temptation, mm. how do, how do you take air out of a bottle? Well, you can figure out some kind of vacuum to <laughs> to suck it out and then get a lid on it, sure. and that will work. And that will be really really difficult to do and do well. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and there will be lots of pressure that's there. Right. Yeah, difficult to do and keep the bottle intact. <laughs> yep. Um, or the easiest that what's the easiest way to get air out of a bottle? Fill it with water. Fill it full of wa- of liquid. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you do that, the air has to go away. Yeah. So when we displace the mm. source of temptation, I like with that. with um, with um, uh, hearing from God, wh- whether that's worship music or scripture or yeah. or being with people that just keep our minds in the right place, right. Um, beauty, you know, whatever that is. Yep. Um, s- again, Satan loses a tool in that process. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, all right, next question. This is probably where the, the content warning is most applicable. <laughs> uh, is masturbating a sin? 
<laughs> so we're in that list of... This is not the question I anticipated when we started this podcast. <laughs> I know. Uh, not, not today, but uh, so we're, we're 46 looking... <laughs> episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. This is not it had to be there in the first year, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> this is the one it's most applicable and it will to. will live forever on the internet. Um, <laughs> so we're looking at that list of, of, uh, of behaviors yeah. that Paul, Paul writes out. He doesn't list masturbation, no. but is that part of what's included in sexual immorality and lust and, and everything included in that? Well, um, a couple of things, and, and um, this is just a funny kind of question, funny kind of answer. Interestingly enough, the Bible doesn't really say anything about masturbation. There you go. There you have it. Podcast done. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so if it's um, if if you can do that without lust, right? Without fantasy, right? Without any sense of um, uh, inappropriate inappropriateness in in terms of uh, God God being in the middle of it, right? I guess that would be okay. That's not the world that I know. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, I have yet to come across anyone, yeah, who doesn't have a, a, a hint of lust, yeah, at, at any point in their life. So to imagine, yeah, like you said, there's really nothing prohibited in that specific exact behavior. Yeah, but the things, the context surrounding that behavior is certainly cause for concern in yeah. Paul's in Paul's letters, especially. Yeah, the the issue is not the behavior. The issue is what is where your heart and your mind is. Set your right. hearts and minds on things above. Yeah. Um. The that's uh, the where your heart has to go, where your mind needs to go to get there. That's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Yeah. Uh, comes from Donna. So in Colossians 3.5, um, she says that in your message, you included homosexuality under the umbrella of the term sexual immorality. Is there scriptural support for this? Thanks in advance. Uh, this is a great question yeah. because uh, I'll give you a little insight into my sermon prep stuff. The um, One of the tools that I use that we've talked about before is Blue Letter Bible yep. because it has an interlinear um, tool where you can look and see what the Greek says and then you can identify the meaning of that Greek word um, through that tool, and then you can see where it's used in the rest of Scripture. Um, I did that, and in in um, that tool, it described all those things that I said yeah. uh, under sexual immorality. Yeah. The best picture that I can paint of it is that sexual immorality, that word pornea in the Greek, um, is the umbrella that covers everything outside right. of what God's design is, and that's a man and a woman in marriage, um, yeah. in, the, in the covenant relationship of marriage. Um, I'm going sideways on this, but um, I'll go there because this is a conversation I often have with um, yeah. um, couples in premarital. God designed sex to be the glue that keep that that cements a relationship together, yeah. and and. I think he designed our relationships to be those of ever increasing intimacy, if that makes any sense. Mm, yeah. So, so when you date, there's this process that happens when you first date that it's like, oh, this is the person, the greatest person in the world, right. and um, and then as the relationship progresses, um, there is this sense of, oh, will they still like me if they, uh, you know, a teenage girl, will he still like me if he sees me without makeup? Right, um, yeah. yep. and and so there is this progressive sense of of sharing deeper and deeper kind of things. Sure. Will 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 this person still love me if they know this about me? If they mm. if they know that I've 
this is who I've been in the past. Yeah. This is what I've done. And I think that in God's design, there really is this sense that when we commit ourselves in a wedding ceremony to each other, uh, to having a hold from this day forward, yeah. better or worse, um, no one else, you know, for you and you only, that in that, following that, that in the physical act of sexual intimacy, yeah. there is this sense of, will you still love me if you see me naked and right. our bodies are joined? Um, that's a really cool thing that God yeah. designed. God designed that. Good, mm -hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Um, so anything outside of that, uh, is what that word pornea really describes. So yeah. we, you know, we translate it. It's the word, it's the root word that comes that for us gives us pornography, that kind of thing. Yep. But it really describes any kind of relationship outside of that. So when yep. you start to go through, um, that th that word is never used to describe specifically homosexual, a homosexual relationship, but scripture is clear that homosexual relationships um, are not part of God's design. So if right. you go to Romans chapter 1, if you go to 1 Timothy, if you go to uh, um, the uh, uh, 1 Timothy 1.10, if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 6, yep. uh, verse 10, yep. um, though that the word that is used there is uh, um, it describes a man who sleeps with a man as though he were sleeping with a woman, a mm -hmm. woman who sleeps with a woman as though she were sleeping with a man. That's the word that's there that gets yeah. translated homosexuality. Um, uh, that is a subset of sexual immorality. Hmm. So so that pornea word describes everything. It, it describes right. um, in Corinthians when it talks about the guy who's sleeping with his, with his uh, stepmom, mother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, mother-in-law. Uh, um, the um, that's that again. That's a subset. That's their bestiality. That's a subset of that that bigger picture yep. of sexual immorality. Yeah, and this is where when it, when it comes to understanding Greek words, it's it's easy for us to say, well, it's just an umbrella for everything. But the important thing for us is we we can go back and connect that to the historical context of right. okay, when Paul writes this in the Greek to a church that would have understood Jewish law, that would have understood. Um, the uh, Old Testament covenant, they would have looked at that and known, okay, we know what God has said in terms of his design for right. marriage, his design for sex. And so when Paul says that, they would have immediately connected the dots of, okay, Paul's talking about everything that's not what God designed. Right. Um, and so for us, it's kind of hard to... to continue to make those dots because we're not in a culture that understands that. It doesn't have that foundational premise, yeah. Right, and so Paul needs to say very little to this audience in order to connect those dots, and so that's where we kind of do the the historical context, peek behind the curtain and say, oh, okay, so when Paul says this, they already had this understanding of everything outside of marriage between one man and one woman and sex within that covenant marriage would have been prohibited right. under that. Um, and and I do want to be clear on something because it's it's the conversation that our culture is having right now. Yeah. Um, to to say this is what Scripture says is not to be homophobic. It, I, I'm not right. afraid of homosexuality. Yep. I that uh, you know there's there's not any sense of that. Do I th do I believe clearly that God's word um, uh, teaches against that and says that it's sin? I do. I, I can't. I can't read scripture honestly any other direction. Yeah. I think for those who say that they're followers of Jesus and say, oh no, that's not what that means, um, I think you've got to do a, 
huge stretch um, in in terms of how you understand scripture. Yeah. To get there, and I don't, I just don't think it's consistent. Yeah. But having said that, um, I I want to go back to say if um, if somebody is struggling with the allure of a um, of a relationship outside of their marriage and affair. Mm. If somebody is, if somebody's really wrestling, do I sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Yeah. We're not married yet. Um, if somebody's, if somebody's working through, is it okay for me to have a, a relationship, a physical relationship yeah. with somebody of the same sex and to, and to live that lifestyle? Um, those questions, that temptation, um, that's that's real life stuff, yep. and that's not sin. The sin comes when we begin to act on that, and when we begin to cultivate that, and yep. we when we begin to justify. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm not really, you know, I'm not really sleeping with this person that I'm not right. married to. Yeah, we're X Y Z. You know, right. we're. Y'all know, y'all know what we're talking about, um, c- be- yeah. because we try and justify it that way right. and say because the the physical act isn't concluded, we're okay. Right, and that's not the concept at all. When yeah. when when we start to feed it, when we when we justify it, when we do all those things, rather than saying, God, I trust what you describe is what's yeah. best for me. Um, that's that's the that's the goal for us. Yeah, yeah, and I think again, it, grounding this in a, in a practical example or in our in our daily lives, you know, as someone that has has failed in this, to go back to that question of it, my choice is driven by what I want most, right? And so, it's sexuality is such a tempting thing for us, um, and in in prioritizing God, you end up also prioritizing the person as well. Right. So by prioritizing my relationship with God, I end up valuing my wife more or my girlfriend or my fiance or whatever it might be. Um, If you're struggling with same-sex attraction, as you prioritize God, you value the people that you are attracted to more by not choosing to go against God's design in that matter. Yeah, and and not... um enabling them to do the same thing mm. uh, it, it's yeah. um we tend to think about it only from from our end but i remember i remember doing counseling with a couple at one point in time that they were sleeping together and um and and i and one was a uh a committed follower of jesus yeah. and the other one wasn't and i i had a conversation with the one who wasn't and i said do you understand how important it is for her um for her relationship with with uh, how how important her relationship with Jesus is to her. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Love that's part of who she is. Mm. And and I said, why why would you put her in a position mm. that she has to betray that love for God mm. by you guys sleeping together? Um and it was like he kind of went mm. uh never thought of that. Yeah before. So there, it's not just an us issue. It's, it is concern for the other person as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I I think a a good way of wrapping this all up would be like, if, again, if you're in the position of struggling with whatever is under the umbrella of this term, um, the easiest way to break that power over your life is to get help 
Don't right. do it alone. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, you can't. You yeah. can't. Um, <laughs> an individual, an individual person can't cut the supply lines. Yeah. <laughs> yep. you, need, you need a team. Yeah. All right. Last question. This is a. This is a, a another really good one that kind of grounds the message in practical daily life. Um, this person submits the question: We need advice and prayer for parenting a young adult who has a relationship with Christ, but is choosing to walk in the ways of the world, addictions, lust, lies, etc. How do you know when to say enough is enough and you are on your own, that we love you and pray for you, but we will not support your choices if you continue to live here? I don't know, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, having, uh, oh, goodness, this is a, it's a great question, and it's not an yeah. easy one. It's very um, real. Yeah, I, um, I would just say I don't think that there is one cut-and-dry answer. Mm. I think there's so many pieces in terms of the relationship yeah. um, that you have with your son or your daughter um, to know uh, what's, what's best. Um, the uh, I, just in looking at the question, I was thinking back to the core issue in Matthew eighteen when when um, mm. uh, when when uh, they're talking about um, when you encounter someone caught in a sin, what do you do? Uh, mm. You know, you go and you talk to them, and then you bring somebody else and talk to them, and then if they still don't listen, you uh, bring uh, another witness. And then you bring the elders in the situation, yeah. and and then. And then they ultimately get removed from relationship with the body of with, with the body of Christ, with the yeah. community. Um, that is not punitive. None of that is punitive. It's right. it's that's never a penalty because of whatever behavior they're caught in. It's always designed to restore the person mm. back into their relationship with God and and to help right. them understand that. That's, I think, the the principle that, as a parent, you say, okay, what's the best path for me? What's the best path for our relationship um, to help them see their error? To mm-hmm. help help them understand that they're that they're in a bad place, that they're you know that that, that they're on a wrong path. I think that that can be a a, a simple thing to say. You know what, man, this. You can always come home, but you got to understand that, and we will always love you. But right. you got to understand that that we can't tolerate that behavior right. in our house, in our home, um, and and so we're going to help you move into some place and understand. We understand because we're, we've been around a little bit longer. We think that there's probably going to be some heartache in front of you, and you're going to need to experience that and and to come to grips with that mm. and and know that we will love you know you yeah. know know that w- our relationship's not going to change but that's you need to take you need to experience the consequences for the behavior that that you're that you're choosing right now um and uh, you know that again if you go to 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 Jesus and and his uh the story that he told about um the prodigal son yeah yeah the kid comes and says, essentially, I wish you were dead. Can I have my share of the inheritance? Can I have half your wealth? And he gives it to him, yeah. knowing that he's knowing that it's going to be a bad, bad situation. Mm. But then he spends uh, you know, all of the time that that, that son has gone squandering everything and, and his life has fallen apart, going and just waiting for him to come home so that there can be restoration. Mm. Um, so I, I think that there's a 
legitimate path to say, you know, we we just need to have a conversation and say it's time for you to, um, yeah, to to grow up to accept responsibility. We're not going to enable that, and and that's not because we don't love you. We do love you, and mm. and uh, we want our relationships to say this to stay the same. I know lots of people that, um, I know a number of parents that have chosen to say no. You need to go, and sometimes that has had good results, and sometimes it's not. I know other parents that have enabled their child to stay at home, mm. and sometimes that's had good results, and sometimes not. That, that, um, it really is one of those things that you've got to pray and, um, and seek God. And, and I would say, you know, from our end in the church office, yeah. um, having a life group, that um, that that you can just talk it through with um, yep. coming and talking to a member of the staff, one of the elders, um, to get input on that decision. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy decision, but it's a critical one because you care about the eternal destiny right. of your child. Yeah, I think that's the. I mean, my my heart breaks as I go back and, and reread this question. That this that this is the point that the relationship is at. That you have to wrestle with the decision of, do I. Do I kick you out in love or do I keep you in in love? Right. Uh, that that breaks my heart. That that's where so much of our world is at. Um, but yeah, I think what you talked about is th- there. There's so many different factors that can right. feed into that decision. That the the consistent thing that leads through that is how do you love that person like Christ loved you? Yeah. And that doesn't mean you get to stay always. Right. Um, that doesn't mean you just get enabled into doing something um, because like we just read from Paul's list, like. Jesus says, stop doing these things. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a very clear expectation that's Some set. Some things need to die. There's a very clear expectation that's set for someone that says they are a follower of Jesus. And as followers, fellow followers of Jesus, that's why life group is so important, we get to hold each other accountable. So right. if I notice that Rick is slipping in error, I can say, hey, Rick, Jesus says that we don't do this. Why? Right. And Rick can hold me accountable. And how to best do that within a family unit? Yeah, it's... it's pray, 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 pray. Yeah. It's not. It's not easy. Yeah, yeah. Breaks my heart. Uh, so know that uh, in submitting the question, uh, the question was submitted anonymously. But know that we'll be praying for you. Yeah. Um, and like Rick said, if there's, uh, feel free to continue to reach out to the staff, um, and continue the conversation if that's necessary. Yeah. Uh, that's the last of the questions that I have. Is there anything else you want to leave people with? Uh, with um, Colossians three one through eleven. I just keep thinking about Miracle Mass. <laughs> I was just going to say, I wanted to go back to the... You started talking about The Princess Bride, and as soon as you did, Julie looked over at me, and she was like, it's such a good movie. <laughs> Deb afterwards said, we need to watch it again. <laughs> it was fun just watching that clip, and the uh, the fun reaction, because I don't... I When I read to my kids, I always read with accents, yeah. and when my oldest was about seven or eight years old, she turned to me and she said, Dad... Could you stop reading with accidents? <laughs> <laughs> and so Dub said, uh, "No more accents." So, but when I said "woo hoo hoo," like Billy Crystal, uh, there was a reaction both services, which was kind of uh, fun. That's Woo-hoo. great. So you think you know so much, eh? <laughs> um, the uh, so anyway, that that's the lead in to just say something's got to die, and th- yeah. that that to me the uh, the burden in that message yesterday is. Um, is that we want those things to be dead, sort of. Yes. Yep. We want them to be mostly dead. Yeah. Um, 
but we don't really want that to be completely removed from our life because uh, we like it. We, yep. You know, there's some assurance in that. Um, one one other thing, just kind of real. Boy, that went from Miracle Max to way heavy <laughs> in just an instant, didn't it? Um, it's I, I don't know that th- this that there was ever a way to fit this into the message, but I can because it's the podcast and we can just we can keep do talking, right? Right. Um, I actually think that this concept, that this concept of putting to death stuff, yeah. is um, it's real life stuff for us. And I think there's imagery in the Old Testament mm. that lays the foundation for it. So, so when we read the Old Testament, we say, what was God doing when he said, kill all the Canaanites, mm. don't let anybody live, wipe out all their animals, do everything. Yeah. Um, and, and he says, or they will become a stumbling block to you. Mm. Uh, um, th- it's easy to look and say, oh, they just killed hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. Why, would, why would a good God do that? I think that there is that there's some real practical reasons, but God said because if you let that stay, it's going to swallow you up. It's going to come back to bite you. It's going to it's going to cause problems in your life. Mm. And that picture from the Old Testament, I think, is that exact same truth that comes through here yeah. when Paul says, "Put to death." Um, when um, I, I remember as a kid. Um, my my minister when I was little, um, tell, just telling an illustration. It's funny what you remember it from a sermon, probably fifty five years ago. Hmm. Um, and he said, he, he said that he had done something and um, yeah, had been a follower of Jesus for a long, long time, not had any issue with speech, you know, with with saying bad words or um, you know, ex- hmm. being in an expression of frustration, yeah. saying a bad word, anything like that. And he said that he was working at home and hit his thumb with a hammer. And he said, and words came out of my mouth that had not come out of my mouth for over 40 years. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. As a kid, I thought, where did that come from? And then he proceeded to talk about that stuff that that is from our past. Our past doesn't determine our destiny. Yeah. But boy... It ha- it can have a foothold, and we've just got to be very intentional yeah. to put it to death. Yeah. Well, I love I love tying that to the imagery of Miracle Max and all dead and mostly dead because I think I think some of that in our lives is we just don't think it can be all dead. Yeah. We think you know I you know we're living in the already and the not yet, and so how can my sin be fully dead? I guess it's just got to be there, yeah. uh, and that's where like I have to remind myself, and I have people around me that will remind me, and they'll like there's a guy that I meet with every week for coffee, and he'll he'll tell me you're that you're talking like a slave, you're talking like a slave to sin, and you're not a slave to sin, right? You're a slave to Christ, and so that he'll say it's slave talk, um, and so that's I think we have that in our in our hearts where it's like oh, you know I I believe I'm free in Jesus, but I don't know if I can be really fully free from this sin until you know I'm fully yeah. sanctified until Jesus comes back. And I think that's where. Again, looking at what Paul says, you can put sin to death because Jesus has already taken care of it. So you are already equipped with all of the tools you need. Again, it just comes down to the choice of what do I really want? Do I really want God? Yeah, I guess I really want sin sometimes. Yeah, and as we keep talking, more stuff keeps (laughs) bubbling up out of that passage of Scripture. Yeah. Um, Because we hadn't talked about the filthy language stuff. Yeah. I am convinced more than ever that when we put all that stuff to death, hmm. um, it really does distinguish us from the rest of the world. Right. There, there is this sense of they really are 
different because mm. they don't respond the way everybody else does in this environment or that environment or in this situation or that situation. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's God's plan. Yeah. Well, I, I think especially, sorry, we're just going to keep talking to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think tying that to choices of sexuality is super important as well. Cause I think, I think there's something about what our culture sees in terms of the um, same-sex attraction, homosexual relationships that says, okay, well, we're putting an undue burden on these people because we're telling them they have to live celibate the rest of their lives. But really, that undue burden is put on everybody. (laughs) Everybody in the church is designed to live under not the burden, but the freedom of what God says sexual expression is designed to look like. And our culture says, well, what you have is a burden and what we want is freedom. And that just totally turns upside down what God has. And so I think, again, you're, (laughs) as a follower of Jesus, you're kind of designed to look like the weirdo in culture because it's designed to have people ask questions of, gosh, you live your life that way. Why, Why would you choose to do that? Why would you choose to not have a smartphone? Why would you choose to not bring your phone in from the car or whatever, or not be in sexual relationships with people? And we get to we get the opportunity to share people. It's because I love God so much, and right. God loves me so much, that those things just aren't even worth the trouble. Right. So I don't know. Now we'll shut up. We're done. <laughs> now there's nothing else to talk about. We've said it all. I don't know. That. There's probably more to talk about. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a few more chapters. Hey, thanks for your questions. Um, yeah. Appreciate them. Yeah. These are great questions. Yeah. So keep the conversation going. Um, keep submitting questions every week. This is a blast. I mean. The questions fuel what we talk about. Right. So the more questions you have, the more we talk. Otherwise, you just get to sit in on a conversation with me and Mark. Yeah. No one wants that. <laughs> <laughs> Except for me. That's right. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So keep the conversation going. Uh, share the video. Like the video. Do all the good social media stuff. Uh, keep reading through the book of Colossians. Um, keep en- I'm going to keep encouraging you guys to do that every week. Keep reading through it as much yeah. as you can. Um, it's been super beneficial to me. Uh, it feels like, gosh, every time I read it and every, like, I will read it and have takeaways and then someone else will preach on it and be like, oh, my gosh, I did not connect those yeah. dots. That's so good. Uh, just talks about teaser how- for this Sunday, if you're watching this week, there's this week's message is a great one. There's lots of <laughs> good, happy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks again for the questions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>